0: Good morning, my name is Michael, I'm one of the pastors here at the church and we're very excited to have all of you with us on this uh, wonderful Sunday morning. We are at the, in the middle of a, a series entitled uh, The New Commandment. What we've been talking about over the past few weeks is, well, you should get it from the title, The New Commandment. And basically what we've said is the New Commandment is this, Jesus said, the New Commandment is love one another, as I have loved you so to love one another, and, and, and basically what he meant by that was lo- love one another. I mean, really, I can't believe y'all didn't get that. Seriously, I mean, that, that's it, love one another. That, that's the new commandment. And what we've talked about over the past few weeks is, you know, love, loving one another by welcoming people, by accepting people for who God created them to be in the place and life that they are, by, by being put into a situation that maybe you're not comfortable with, but loving God through that situation. And, and today we get to... Uh, kind of a difficult part of this new commandment, part of loving one another, part of living in this new commandment and living the way that God wants you to live is, is to forgive. Listen to this. It's the first line of a book entitled the seed and the sower written by Lawrence Vanderpost. I had a brother once and I betrayed him. It's the first line of his book. And what he goes on to write about is the story of two brothers who live in Africa. One of the brothers is older. He is uh, tall, athletic, good-looking. Everybody likes him. He's popular. The other brother, the younger brother, has a deformity on his back, but he has a beautiful singing voice. They go to a private school together, and one night, uh, some older boys push the younger brother outside. They rip his shirt off, and they ridicule him and ridicule him and make fun of him to the point that he's just breaking down in tears, and then they throw him into a well. And tell him to sing or we won't let you out. All the while, his older brother is standing watching. The little boy sang, and they finally let him out. He wasn't physically hurt all that bad, but he was emotionally scarred and he never sang again. He went back to his father's farm and he lived as a recluse. Until many years later, it was during World War II that the older brother had a dream and he realized that he had been Judas to his little brother. And so he made the great journey back to where his little brother was, and he asked for his forgiveness. And that night, as the older brother was going to sleep, he heard a beautiful sound, and it was the sound of his little brother finally once again singing. It's amazing what happens when forgiveness comes into play. It's amazing what can happen when we hold it back. Because quite honestly, isn't that what we tend to do? We hold on to that forgiveness. We don't offer it freely. We don't let it go. We want to hold on to the grievances that we have, the places where we've been wronged, the pain and suffering that we have, because, well, it gives us power, doesn't it? I mean, when somebody's wronged you, when somebody has done something against you and made a grievance upon you, you can look at them and cast down your vision on them and say ah oh, that person hurt me and you kind of hold this power there but yet really the power that you have is is a dark power i mean really forgiveness is one of these things that is sometimes hard to come by it's hard it's hard to forgive someone because we want to be in such control got your Bibles up and up to Colossians chapter 3. And Paul is writing to the city of Colossa, the people of Colossa, who have who have gone down a wrong path. He was there, he, he started, they were on the right path, they, they were believers in Jesus Christ, but someone has come in and started teaching them things that weren't necessarily of God and started veering them off of the correct course. So Paul is writing to them and he comes in and I'm going to uh, 3 verse 10 is where I am. And he's reminding them that they are They've been created again. They have a new birth in Christ. It said, in its place, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is in all that matters. Since God chose you, I'm at verse 12, since God chose you to be The holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So what Paul says is, because Christ forgave you, you need to forgive others as well. But you can't do that without clothing yourself in this new creation. You can't do that without seeing the things that he says above that. Without clothing yourself in compassion. Or as this one author says, relentless tenderness. I like that. Compassion, he says, is relentless tenderness. Being completely tender with with all you come into contact with. You have to be compassionate. Kindness. Clothing yourself in kindness. And it's not just going and opening the doors for somebody, although that is kind. It's not the small gestures. It's not the grand gestures. But it's a lifestyle. It's something that dwells in your heart and your soul. It's how you live your life. You know the people who are kind. You can think about them in your head right now, the people who have this kindness that dwells inside of them. When they come alongside you, you're like, yes, I like the fact that this person's here. You know the people that don't have that kindness as well. You have to be compassionate. You have to clothe yourself in kindness. You have to be humble and gentle, it says. Humble and gentle. Wow, we live in such a, such a world that thrives on humility these days, don't we? Humility is just, everyone's humble. Everyone's, oh, no, 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 please. Especially in this, uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we are in a political season. There's an election coming up. Has anyone heard anything about it, Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if political ads were like exercises in humility? Because essentially, what, what are they? They're completely the opposite. I am awesome. Vote for me. That guy sucks. I am the best. Vote for me. I am great. humility, humility. Humility. Paul says, if you want to live a new, regenerated life, a life in Christ, you must be humble. You might be the best, but you don't go around putting people's face in it. What does Paul say? Yeah, I've done these incredible things. Paul pretty much says, I rock at some points in Scripture. Like, I am the best apostle ever, but it's because of God. He says, I don't boast about these things to tell you how great I am. I boast about these things... To tell you how incredible God is. Yeah, I've done mighty works. I've created churches all over the world. I have changed people's lives. <laughs> but it's only because of God. It's only because Christ dwells inside of me. So he got that humble thing. have to be compassionate. You have to be kind. You have to bathe yourself in humility and gentleness. And then the last thing he says is patience. Oh, patience. How many of you would consider yourself a patient person? Okay, yeah, you wrote, you raised your hand way too quick for being a patient person there, over there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, patience is one of those things, uh, Paul calls it a, a virtue of God. You know, patience is, is one of those things that we all have, yet some of us exemplify it a little bit more than others. It's one of those things, when I was a teacher, I, 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 was, I became really, um, I was a very patient person. I, I taught 10-year-olds. Uh, they're 10-year-olds, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, and, and they act like it, you know, and, and, and so there are times when they would just grate on my nerves, but I was a very patient person. And, and somewhere along the way, in the midst of, I don't know, I think it was like sometime back in last summer or so that I lost my patience. So, ah, the 16-month-old little boy comes along, and I'm like, patience, oh, my gosh, here you are again. I thought I had mastered you. But come on. He's everywhere. He's in everything. He throws things around. He hits his sister. He does these. I told you this last week. He likes to ride his sister now. It's like a game for him. It's like he's working out for the mutton busting in the rodeo. He's like, she's crawling. She's fast. That seems like a challenge. And it drives me nuts, and it makes me so irritated. I mean, I get it. I understand what his thinking is, but it makes me so mad. And and I just got to, oh, relax. I mean, patience is something we all have, but it's something that we must work on. It is something that you have to allow God to fill you and say, God, I'm about to knock him into next week. Give me patience for this boy who I know is just going through some boy stuff. (laughs) I hope that's all it's going. Patience, compassion, kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. And it is when you clothe yourself in this new life of Christ that Paul says, okay, now... Forgive. Now that you're a new person, now that you're a new creation, now that you have started this life again, think back into your life. Think back into what's happened and, and forgive. Why? Well, first of all, he says, because Christ forgave you. I mean, think about forgiveness from the standpoint of Jesus. Jesus never did anything wrong. Jesus lived a blameless life. He lived a perfect life. He's God. And then he died. And on the cross, what is the first thing he says? Father, forgive them. Man, think about that. I mean, think about how powerful that is. Father, forgive them. I didn't do anything wrong, and here I am suffering and dying, but God... Don't take it out on him. I mean, don't you think he just had this little bit of things? Make him burn for just like five minutes, guys. Just five minutes and then pull him back out. Father, forgive them. And it wasn't just the Roman soldiers. It wasn't just the guy who nailed Jesus to the cross. It was, Father, forgive Michael Crocker for putting me on this cross forgive him for the things that he was going to do when he was born. And he's going to be just an idiot for a long time. He's going to do some stupid stuff. And then he's going to meet me and accept me. And it's going to be great and awesome. But he's going to fall again. And he's going to fall short of your glory. And he's going to do other things. And constantly, God, just forgive him. God, forgive Michael for the things he's done. Forgive him for the things he will do. Can you Have you ever thought of that? When you read that scripture Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You've probably thought about it from the standpoint of the Roman soldiers and the people who are there, but put your name in that context. Father, forgive, put your name right there. That's what God's saying. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. Father, forgive this person because they don't know what they're doing. Think about the darkness that Jesus could have had stored up in his life. Think about the bitterness that he could have had towards us for making him go through this. I forgive them, forgive them. When somebody asks Jesus how to pray, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, and he goes through this thing, and one of the lines he says, is God forgive people as we forgive others. Forgive us as we forgive others. It's a pretty big deal for Jesus to forgive. He didn't take into account the pain or the suffering or the injury or the injustice. He forgave. And yet what do we do? Oh, I can't believe she did that to me. I can't believe he did that to me. I am so aggrieved. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I can't believe that person did this to me. And Jesus is like, forgive him. This is doing nothing for you. Think about the younger brother. He held on to this darkness and bitterness against his brother. He was so hurt by the actions that happened when he was a child that it closed off a big part of who he was. He essentially put himself into a prison. And then when his older brother comes back and says, forgive me. And the little brother offers that forgiveness and says, I forgive you. What happens? He's released. It's released from this self-imprisonment. Because essentially when, when we refuse to forgive someone, that's what we're doing. This hurt me so bad that what am I going to do with it? I'm going to hold on to it so that it can continue to come up. And it can continue to make me mad and can continue to aggravate me and irritate me. I'm going to hold on to it because I like being aggravated. But that's what we're doing. We're holding on to this bitterness instead of God. I forgive this person. I forgive them. That doesn't mean that it's going to stop hurting right then. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget about it right then. Forgiveness doesn't mean you don't heal before you forgive. You forgive so that you can heal. It's a process. It takes time. It hurts. There's painful moments, especially if it's a major thing in your life forgiveness. It's something that you have power to give. And it's so powerful to do so. I I don't know what's going on in your life. And I I know you may be thinking, Michael, but this is a big deal. This is a major thing that this person did to me. I can't forgive this person for doing this. Really? Really? I mean, there, There's that movie, Bruce Almighty, when Jim Carrey goes up and he sees that huge, long file cabinet of all the things he's ever done. Mine's probably four times that long. I just know when I'm going to get to heaven, God's going to go, hey, t- take a look at this. <laughs> there's all the things you've done, Crocker. Yeah, I know. Remember that one? Yeah, that was, yeah, I was real proud of you on that day, son. I think it's all right, though, because I died for you. I died for you. And we're just going to set this aside. Jesus Christ, if God can do that for me, who who am I not to forgive someone? Who am I not to forgive a child of God? I'm not that big a deal. I reckon you aren't either. Forgiveness. Today is a day that we celebrate communion. Today we celebrate the gift of life, the sacrifice, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The freedom that comes with knowing him as your savior. Today that we come to his table and accept his gift of grace. But it says in the scripture, if you're coming to my table and you're holding something against another one of my children, don't come to my table. God wants you to come to his table and experience his love, his sacrificial love and freedom. But he doesn't want you to be holding that back from someone else. The very love that he's giving you, the very forgiveness that he's giving you, he doesn't want you to be holding that back from someone else. So today as you come, as we come forward to communion... If you've got something, if you've got something in your mind, if you've got something on your heart, as I've been talking, it's just been kind of coming up, that little thing you've been holding on to, the prison has been rattled, and you're beginning to see the darkness and the bitterness is starting to seep through, and you're starting to go, well, Michael, I don't know if I can do this. Do it. Forgive. Forgive. Forgive them. Release this. Release this to God and move on with your life. Release it to God and move on with your life. Let the healing begin. Let the healing begin. I mean, if I have if I have a sickness, I don't want to live in that sickness. I want to be healed, and that's what God is saying: forgive, as I have forgiven you. If you're going to live in this new commandment, loving others as Jesus Christ loves us, part of that is forgiving. It's truly, honestly forgiving. It's not forgetting. What does God say in the Psalms? I'm not going to hold your past against you. I'm not going to forget it. I'm not going to hold it against you. Today as you come forward, if there is something that you're holding, something that you haven't forgiven someone, I mean, it could be be something trivial, something small, something that they have no idea, even if it's there, whatever. Forgive. It could be Thirty years ago, it could have been this morning. Forgive. On the night in which he was to be betrayed, Jesus sat with his disciples. And he took the bread and he raised it to God and he gave thanks for the bread. And he broke it. And he said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body which is given for you. After supper, he took the cup and he raised it to God and he gave thanks. And he said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. I think about it on the days that we have communion. About what must have been going through the mind of Christ at this moment. And I will never know until I get to meet him and go, what were you thinking then? The pain that you must have been in, and the joy that must have been there as well, knowing this moment was so sacred and so special. And you have these knuckleheads sitting around you who have no clue. The forgiveness that Christ has is so overwhelming to me. His love, His sacrificial love is so overwhelming to me. i got to share it. I'm like Jeremiah, I have this fire burning so greatly inside of me that my chest is about to burst open. And i got to say, you've got to meet this guy, Jesus. He has changed my life, and I guarantee you, he will change yours. August talked about the coffee shop a little bit ago, and um, we had a, a moment there. Can I share this? Thanks. We had a moment there recently don't look over there. Y'all don't know who I'm talking to. We had a moment recently that, uh, you know, we've been serving coffee and I put on my apron and I make a white chocolate mocha that will change your, it's like Jesus, my white chocolate mocha. I mean, it's right there. We had a moment, there's there's a gentleman that passes by every morning. He walks his dogs. He passes by every morning. He always looks in our shop. I have he's never come in. I don't know if he doesn't like me. He never comes in on my days, but he's come in. They know his name. Um, people wave at him and stuff. And he goes back and forth and Goes to work, he recently lost his job Um, Some other stuff went bad In in his life and, and he came in And one of our people sat down With him and just talked to him And And prayed with him And he had known God in the past But he'd walked away Now she didn't pray the prayer of salvation With him yet But it's coming I know that this guy has some forgiveness issues, probably that he's holding on to. He can't forgive himself or something. I know that there are things going on in his life, and the Holy Spirit is just working on him, working on him. God's working on him. That's why that coffee shop's over there, so that people can come and go and relationships can be built. And we can say, you know what? This coffee's great, but Jesus is so much better. When you come to his table today, know that. Know the love of Jesus Christ, the forgiving power, the, sal- the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When you come today, don't just come and go through the motions like we can do sometimes with communion. If you need to forgive somebody, do it. Just pray, God, let me let this go. There's going to be a prayer team over here on this side. If you need to do it, I will be over here if you need to pray with somebody. And when you come, accept the forgiveness that God gives you. Accept the sacrificial love that he is offering you. As the people who are coming forward to help with communion do so, I ask that you would all bow your heads and pray with me. Gracious and heavenly Father, you are a loving God who loves us so much more than we could even imagine. God, we thank you and praise you that you are a God of forgiveness and a God of peace and a God of love. That even in the midst of our lives and the things that we have done, and that we'll continue to do, God, you still died for us. You still freely offer forgiveness to us. God, I pray that you would put on all of our hearts the spirit of forgiveness. If we need to forgive someone, even if it's ourselves, that you would enable us to do so. That we would come to your table today, Father, and experience your grace and your love. In Jesus Christ's holy and precious name.